podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the NUFC Blogcast. After battering Chelsea 4-1 at St James's Park on Saturday, Newcastle head off to Paris, where we have a huge Champions League game against PSG coming up. We must get a result. We're going to review the Chelsea game and preview the PSG game. All of that to come on the NUFC Blogcast. <laughs> enjoy the game yeah just a bit it was um we were talking about it last week weren't we how sort of important it felt after back-to-back defeats to to come back and not just get a win for our position in the Premier League but obviously get a win that gave us confidence and a bit of momentum again going into PSG and yeah we did exactly that didn't we and I suppose I don't know about you but when I was walking to the game with my dad and my brother there was news that oh, Joe Willock's not on the squad and Sean Longstaff's failed a fitness test and obviously we've already got so many injuries that that just left you feeling a little bit sort of concerned going into the game. And I mean, let's face it, I think we know Lewis Miley, Lewis Miley is a massive talent, but it was still a big ask for him. But God, he was he was brilliant, wasn't he? Like, I know there's been so many stories written about it, but he just outshone, what, a £107 million player in Enzo Fernandez, And and uh, yeah, we had no reason to worry, did we? So yeah, it was it was, it was was brilliant. Um, Really, really big win. It was, yeah, massive. I mean... It was a strange game. All our games recently, I was thinking this, because, you know, there was some talk about the atmosphere after and our mm. owners put out a tweet saying, oh, it can be better and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't think it was actually that bad. I mean, there was there was patches where it was quiet. But I was thinking it's the first game in a while where it hasn't really had, like, a a big context. As in, first of all, it's a 3pm Saturday, which we haven't had in a while. And that's always a bit harder to get an atmosphere going because it's not a night game or anything like that. But also, it's like, I didn't know what the context was. Our Chelsea challenging us at the top of the are they not like Chelsea's such a yeah. strange team at the moment it, and I didn't it felt like all our games recently have had context like the Champions League games obviously we need to get points um Arsenal you know we've we've got this like little mini rivalry with them now with you know all these games recently and then this one suddenly yeah. at the back of the international break it was a bit like it's a Premier League game but but other than that you know yeah do you know I what, know what mean? you mean I mean I, I suppose one thing I was thinking going into it which I, I kind of mentioned on the last podcast was Chelsea before this game had got a four-all draw against Man City, one of the games of the season by a mile, it'll be, it was an amazing game. And then before that, they hammered Spurs, who had previously been sort of talked about as all oh, these title contenders and how good Postacoglu is. So I suppose Chelsea came in and went on a bit of a high. And mm. my kind of thoughts going into the game was, if we can beat them, we're seven clear of them. If they beat mm. us, they're one behind us. So you'd, you'd bring them back into the equation of, of sort of challenging for the top six and, and potentially getting ahead of us for European spots. So I know what you mean. There wasn't that edge towards the game, but I think in terms of, in my head at least, it was let's keep ahead of Chelsea, but let's also put the pressure on the likes of Villa, Liverpool, Man United. I mean, in the end, Liverpool should have uh, should have lost at Man City. I don't know how that second goal was disallowed. And obviously Villa went and won at Spurs and, and Man United went, went and won at Everton, but that then made our result either way. Yeah. All the more important, didn't it? Because if we if yeah. we go and slip up against Chelsea and Villa and Villa and uh, Man United extend the gap, then we're going to start and look a bit off the pace for the top four. So, see, I know what you mean. There wasn't much edge to the game in terms of like rivalries and any sort of history there. But I suppose another a sort of story that we, I guess is that we're playing them in the quarterfinal of the cup in a few weeks. So yeah, it was yeah. it was almost like a little a little um, yes, they'll be wanting to get one over us when we play sort of mid-December, but that was a big confidence boost for us going into that game because it just shows what we're, what we're capable of, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And as, you know, it, it's great to get a win before the PSG game. It's great. So, I mean, there's loads of positives, aren't there? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess just going through, I mean, Lewis Miley is an obvious one in terms of just, I mean, we saw it. We saw it against Bournemouth in, in a game where pretty much every outfield player was awful, but he was the one that really stood out as, okay, he didn't have a blinder because obviously the team was, was so poor as a whole, but in a team full of struggling players who never really got going, I thought he was pretty promising against Bournemouth. And in this game, he just, he just looked a Premier League player, didn't he? And he looked such a natural, I think. Obviously, he's tall. He's got at least six foot two. He's mobile and he, he seems quite mature as well. Eddie Howe's always said that he's he almost acts like a senior player. He doesn't seem like a sort of naive young player, the way he trains, the way he conducts himself. But he, it, it sort of occurred to me how much of a natural he seemed in terms of his football and brain. He always spotted the pass. He always played the right pass. He didn't really have, I can't really think of any nervy moments where I thought, oh, you showed, you showed like sort of signs of being a teenager there and amongst men, if you know what I mean. But he didn't there wasn't any moments where I felt worried when he was on the ball. And obviously the big moments is pass to Isaac, which unlocks the door, doesn't it? And gets us that goal. So, so yeah, I think that's massive for him. Not just, not just because it contributed towards the big win, but with Willock sort of having an injury with Longstaff being a doubt for PSG, which we'll get onto in a bit, we're probably going to need Miley against PSG. So it's massive for his confidence and massive for the team that we can um, look, look so good with him in the side. So that was a big positive. I think Isaac being back is always a massive boost, but he looked he looked sharp. Almiron as well, he was initially a His doubt, first touch, Isaac's first touch is, I think he's the best first touch in our squad. Uh, yeah. You, it, 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 and it's not even like a traditional first touch. You know, you think of a first touch, a long ball when you just stop it dead and that's obviously yeah. amazing. He will get the ball pinged up to him and he'll like stick his leg out sideways and it yeah, kind of he's... glues to his foot and he's suddenly got control of it. He's, he's unplayable when he's like that. He's, yeah, he's um he's such a unique player as well, isn't he? Because he's got to be what six three, six four, and he's he's got bags of pace. He's dribbling's electric, and like you said, he's in moments where someone else might rush it or or sort of have a heavy touch. The way he, the way he sort of has that finesse to his game as well, and so yeah, we were massive to him to see him and Almiron fit again and and looking sharp. I thought Almiron was all over Kukurea, who just never really got never really got a grip. with him. I think another another point to Lascelles who. Obviously gave the the ball away in the build up to Sterling's goal from the free kick. And I think early in the second half he gave the ball away as well. And it was a little a little nervy moment for him yeah. on the And ball, he gave away and he gave away another free kick in the same place, pretty much, remember. Yeah, I think that's so right. So there could have been could have been two, yeah, which Reese James skied over the bar. But I was yeah, really happy so... because first half, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but first half, you know, he was quite poor and I think Joe Linton was quite poor. Second yeah. half completely changed and they both scored. So that was nice. Yeah, I agree. Actually, Joe Linton was a little bit loose in the first half, wasn't he? But I think for Lascelles, it's just the fact that obviously he had a few nervy moments, but generally performed well. But for him to score the goal that then kick-started the, what was a bit of a battering in the end, wasn't it? We Lascelles scored on the hour mark and then a minute later, Joe Linton scores. And I just think it's nice for Lascelles to get that goal, not only because people will generally forget about the error he made for Sterling's goal, but just because he deserved that moment. Obviously, he's been part of so many big wins over the past few months when Botman's been out, but for him to have that moment at the Gallagher end, score a goal, I just think he, he deserved that. And on top of all of that, I mean, Anthony Gordon, I mean, we were just saying before we started recording that it was already a bit of a joke that Cole Palmer got in ahead of, of, of Gordon uh, before this match, but there was only there was only one player who stood out on that pitch when you compare Gordon to, Gordon to Palmer. I mean, he's crossed for Lascelles' goal. He's, he's finished. I mean, I sit in the corner of the Gallagher. So the, the direction Gordon hits that ball across the across across the, the um the goal it was it's kind of coming in my direction. It was such a calm finish, wasn't it? The way he, the way he kind of caressed it and he I think he said after the Sheffield United game when we beat the mate nil that he'd been working and training on taking 
sort of not trying to whack the ball and almost almost just focusing on technique and caressing it a little bit more. And he he did that exactly there, didn't he? And he's sort of um, he's he's quick. He's got quick enough feet to. It was a classic quick winger's goal where he just shifts it and shoots, and the, you know, yeah. and, and then before anyone knows it, it's, it's trickled into the bottom corner. It's really That's good it, goal. yeah, like taking it earlier a bit. So, so yeah, loads of positive individual performances, and I think another thing that I think me and my brother were chatting about this after the game, and I really liked the fact that because we got those goals in the 60th and 61st minute, and Chelsea it just knocked all the stuff out of Chelsea. It allowed us to kind of take our well, not take our foot off the gas, but we were able to sort of cruise to the win, and I think that really helps. In terms yeah, of we, we started laying or laying passes. Uh, yeah, point, yeah I mean, it like it conserves energy as well, doesn't it? And obviously, we need that not to just protect for fatigue, but also it, obviously it, it it reduces the chances of any more injuries. So it was nice for us to not only win comfortably and not have to take take up too much energy in that last half an hour, but also we saw obviously three Premier League debuts. It was I think it was uh, Alex Murphy, Michael Indueni, and Amadou Diallo, three under twenty one players who came on and. I mean that's just a nice moment for them, isn't it? I mean you're not you're not usually going to get the chance for those three to come on in a game like that, and would normally have players in reserve like Murphy would come on or Wilson or or Lewis Hall. But obviously, like when you bring in three hundred twenty one players for them, that's a nice moment for them. And and yeah, just so many positives all round. I think. Um, obviously, yeah. injury wise, there wasn't anyone who suffered an injury in the game. But the pre match news on on Wilson and then the post match on on uh, not Wilson, sorry the the Willock setback, sorry, and then the, the update on Longstaff's a bit concerning, but but yeah, I think um we needed a bit of a a bit of a response to back to back defeats to Dortmund and, and Bournemouth and we, we did that perfectly, didn't we? Yeah. And we missed out just on a on a big record, right? Yeah, so it was nineteen oh seven was the last time that a Newcastle goalkeeper kept five clean sheets in a row in five game uh, winning games in a row so the last four games I think we won to nil against I think it was Brentford Burnley Crystal Palace and Arsenal um, and, and if we'd won to nil against Chelsea it would have been the first time in over 100 years we'd won five games in a row keeping a clean sheet in each of them and to be fair aside from Sterling's free kick it, we could have easily on another day got the clean sheet couldn't we but uh, see, yeah it wasn't quite the bait but I think it shows we're heading in the right direction when you uh, when you see you only hear stats like that and one thing actually to say about clean sheets and goalkeepers is I know Nick Pope's going to get a lot of criticism for looking edgy with the ball at his feet. And there were, there were a couple of clearances where you just thought it wasn't difficult. And you, you, there was one in the first half where he fired it straight to Gallagher, wasn't it? And it kind of, kind of got away with that. But one thing I think Pope deserves credit for is in the first half, there was an attack where I think Enzo Fernandez had a shot, a near post shot, which Pope made look pretty easy, but it was a really good save. And, Obviously, it's easy to think, you know, we, we stroll to a 4-1 win. But if that goes in and if Pope doesn't save that, it could have been a different game. So, yes, there's this fair criticism when it comes to his distribution. But, yeah, that, I thought that was a big moment in the game. Yeah, there. good, really good save, strong hand. Um, yeah. Okay, all right, cool. Well, I mean, anything else to say on the Chelsea game before we move to the PSG? It was obviously a, a, a brilliant win. And it's weird because there's been this context just before the international break of we needed the break, we're on this injury crisis, we're on a bad run. But actually... We're not on a bad run at all. <laughs> I no. think we're the second best form in the Premier League now, maybe even top. I think we're second to Villa. Yeah, well, exactly. That's it, isn't it? I mean, I think that's the thing. We've almost been a little bit spoiled over the past two years of how good we've been and how consistent we've been. So when we lose, it's almost a bit of a shock to the system. And it's not just losing, though. It's when we've lost, the circumstances have been have been tough, haven't they? I mean, the first Dortmund at home game, we were unfortunate. We hit the bar a couple of times. It was a it was a really good game. We didn't disgrace ourselves at all. The away game at Dortmund, yes, we kind of 
we kind of were second best, but there was a couple of moments in that game where it could have been different if Trippier squares it for Wilson, if Joe Linton doesn't head wide. And then the final game against Bournemouth, yes, we were poor, but we I think we all know the injuries, the fatigue, all of that caught up with us. So, so yeah, like you're right. There was there's some sort of narrative going into it that Chelsea are on the up and they're the team to watch out for. Yeah, really, well, I think we, we, we cleared that up pretty quickly that Newcastle at the minute are in a much better position than Chelsea. Um, but I think another thing actually to mention from just thinking back to the game and the players we put in, I mean, Livermento going to left-back, we didn't have a single fit left-back really with burnout, with target out and with Hall ineligible against Chelsea. And I thought it was really promising to see how how comfortable Livermento looked at left-back really. So, so yeah. He had, a, a, he, had a great, he had a very good game. He had a very Really good solid, game. yeah. So, so yeah, lots of positives really with it. When you think about it, a right-back at left-back, a 17-year-old in midfield, um, the bench was three goalkeepers, Richie Dummett and a bunch of under-21 players. I mean, <laughs> and I think Chelsea's bench was probably worth a quarter of a billion. So that probably says all you need all you need to know, really. Absolutely brilliant result. Let's uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back to preview PSG away. Ollie, we're at the point of this Champions League season where we must get a result against PSG, right? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... I can go through some of the permutations, actually. It's a little bit complex, but I think it's worth thinking about because I know people have kind of said we need to win realistically to have a chance of qualifying um, for the knockout stages, but there is a way we can draw and still get through. So essentially, these are the these are the permutations as far as I'm aware going into the game. So pretty simple. If we beat PSG and we beat Milan in our final two games, we're definitely going to qualify. So that's pretty simple. I mean... It's a massively tough ask, but yeah, if we if we win both of our final games, we're through. If we beat PSG and draw with Milan, which would take us to eight points, we'd need Dortmund to avoid defeat in their remaining two games to qualify. So I'm guessing if that happens, a win a win over PSG, a draw against Milan, it would be us and Dortmund, providing uh, Dortmund avoid defeat. So there's another one. Um, if we drew with PSG and beat Milan, um, Milan could not finish above us. So that would at least secure Europa League football. But Dortmund would only need a point to finish above Newcastle, while PSG would need to beat Dortmund in their final game to finish above us and qualify. So basically, if we get... Sorry, I know you, you still might have more, but if, so if we get a draw against PSG, because, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, right, if we could scrape a draw, mm. and then we get to play Milan at home, knowing a result gets us something. That, exactly. I think, yeah, that... So, so a draw, right, okay, a draw. That's it. Obviously, so it, a win's great, but let's get a draw. I think it's one of those things where if we can get a point at PSG, we'd be playing Milan knowing that the winner of that gets through to the Europa League, which I know people at would least. say, oh, yeah, exactly, at least, because it it all then depends on what Dortmund do. So um, I think because Dortmund would have then only need a point over their final two games to finish above us, which is pretty likely. Um, the, final, the final thing, obviously, is if we lose to PSG um, and Milan beat Dortmund, oh, wait a second, this is another thing I've looked at. I think I got. I think I uh, jumped the gun with the last one, or at least we both did. Yeah, if this, I'm just checking. I've got this right. If we lose to PSG, but Milan beat Dortmund, I think we're guaranteed to finish bottom. The reason <laughs> I say that is because if we lose, and Milan then beat Dortmund, Milan moved to eight points, and we're on four. So because Milan are currently on five, and we're currently on four. So if but how Milan many? Actually, how many would Dortmund? How many would Dortmund be on? They'd be on seven, but with the head-to-head against Dortmund. Oh, with the head-to-head, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, if we're going to get beaten off um, PSG, we need um, 
we need basically Milan not to beat to beat Dortmund. So there's a lot of ramifications. There. To be fair, the, the third point still stands because if we do draw against PSG, we can still beat Milan and go through because a point uh, takes up to five points and therefore three behind P- Milan. So we would still beat Milan on the head-to-head if we drew against right. PSG and then beat Milan. But yeah, if we lose to PSG, essentially, if we lose tomorrow uh, on, on Tuesday night and Milan win, it's 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 completely done. We're bottom of the group and we're out of all European competition. But um, there's still a lot of opportunity. It just shows that. I know that's a bit confusing, but it's kind mm. of, it just shows whether it's win, draw or um, defeat, there's still a lot of different things that can happen, whether it's qualifying for the last 16 or still getting in, in the Europa League. So there's still a lot to play for, isn't there? Still a lot can happen. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's hard to take in audio, or you know, in an audio style, isn't it? So I need to see the actual table. But yeah, so basically, whatever happens, we could still get something, win, lose, or draw. Yes, I think so. I mean, like I said, the only the only thing if we if we lose is that if Milan then beat Dortmund, we would then become bottom guaranteed. So fine, the, fine. The, there's there's options for for all results, but the only result that would be completely devastating is that if we lose at PSG and Milan beat Dortmund. Um, but if that if, if if exactly that doesn't happen, there's still a lot of sort of a lot of possibilities. It's obviously fair to say if we lose, we can't qualify for the knockout stages. But if okay. we do, if we do lose, the Europa League is still still sort of doable, providing results elsewhere go in our favour. And you know, um, Europa League, as I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I would be more than happy to get into Europa League. We I, we could win the Europa League. I mean, I don't think we're in a position where we could win the Champions League, but the Europa League, we'd have a chance. I think. Anyway, I mean, I think the thing about the Europa League is. I know people say that, oh, if you're playing Thursday night football, how we're going to cope with that with all the injuries. But firstly, when the when the Europa League knockout stages start, you'd think we're going to have a lot of players back by then. Secondly, I'm not saying we'd rotate massively, but I think you'd have a bit more opportunity to rotate in the Europa League if you got a kind draw. Whereas in the Champions League, you'd have to go with your strongest 11. I'm not saying that to disrespect the Europa League, but you know what I mean? If you got a slightly kind draw in the Europa League, you could probably get away with playing... Um, a couple more squad players in your team. Mm. Whereas I think it's fair to say with the Champions League, anyone you're getting in the knockout stages, you're going to need all of your big guns playing. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I, we'll I, see. I, yeah, I, I play um, I play Champions League fantasy football, right? Where you get the team. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get Mbappe and captain him. So it's like an emotional sort of... Uh, uh, insurance policy. <laughs> oh, so if we get battered, at least I get points, and if we don't, then Newcastle have won. So you know. <laughs> to be fair, if, if anyone's going to do anything for PSG, it's probably going to be Mbappe, isn't it? So mm. I, yeah, I can I can see the logic. It's like when people put bets on. Um, yeah, team your team to, to lose. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, although you are also you're guaranteeing that you're going to win one of the ways, but you're also guaranteeing you're going to lose one way. So well, that's <laughs> so true. Really, doesn't really make much sense. Right, team news and injuries then. So so what sort of team can we put out? Is it basically going to be the same team we just put out on Saturday? I mean, it looks that way. I mean, at the time of recording, it's a couple of hours before Eddie Howe will speak to the press in Paris. So you never know. Eddie Howe might have a bit of a surprise. He might. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious that certain players definitely won't be playing. I mean, if the, the, the couple of players who I'm wondering, this obviously might be outdated before long and prove to be that it's not the case. But there's some suggestions that Sven Botman might return sooner than expected, but I still think PSG would come too soon. All I'm saying there is it'll be interesting to see what Howe's got to say on Botman because he always keeps his cards close to his chest. So who knows there? But again, I'm not expecting if he is, if Botman is available, him to come straight back in. And I guess the big one though is, is Sean Longstaff, who um, 
Eddie Howe said he wasn't actually close to making the Chelsea game and he thinks he'll probably not, that was his word, and probably not be ready for, for, for the PSG game. But as I say, in a couple of hours' time, if Eddie Howe comes out and says Longstaff's trained and he's looking better, then then Longstaff could be someone who I would guess could come in for Miley if he was fit. But like I say, at the time of recording, we don't really know uh, where things are at with Longstaff. But but yeah, elsewhere, it's kind of unknown on Botman, but I wouldn't say too hopeful that he'll be able to play. Obviously, Matt Target's still out till the new year. Tonali's banned. Burns out. Elliot Anderson's still out. Uh, Jacob Murphy's still out. A lot of those are kind of slightly longer term. Wilson, obviously, with his hamstring problem, he's going to be out for, I think, probably, probably the rest of December, really. And then we've obviously got that setback with Joe Willock. I know Eddie Howe said after the Chelsea game that it's a reoccurrence of the of the sort of Achilles injury that he had, that kept him out over the first few sort of weeks and months of this season, which is gutting for him because just when we're short in midfield with Tonali out, with Anderson out, it's just gutting, isn't it? I mean, Willock gives us something completely different and was just starting to find his feet again, wasn't he, this season after not really having much of a preseason at all. So, so yeah, all of those guys, obviously we'll wait to see on Longstaff and then they probably were very unlikely to feature anyway, but Mankio, Emil Kraft, Matt Ritchie and Gillespie, they weren't actually named in our Champions League squad. So even after this injury crisis, they won't be able to play. So, so yeah, I think that's like 13 or 14 players who, senior players who could be out. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed for some good news for, from how in the press conference on the likes of Longstaff or Botman. Um, yeah, we haven't really got many options, have we? <laughs> we don't, no, uh, definitely not. Well, hey-ho. Um, so PSG, since we battered them 4-1, which hopefully creates some sort of psychological element for them, that they're terrified of us, but I doubt it. Uh, they've been in pretty good form, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I think they've responded to that defeat pretty well. I think I'm just having a look in their uh, four games following. No, sorry, their, their five games following the 4-1 defeat to Newcastle. They won five straight. One of those was a 3-0 win over AC Milan. Um, in the Champions League, they all they did mind in their last Champions League game. They did lose at Milan, um, which we were kind of saying was that a good result for Newcastle? Was it a bad one? I think it was probably good for us qualifying, but bad for us for the Europa League as a sort of fallback. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyway, ever since they lost to Milan uh, earlier this month, they've won three 0 in the league, and they've then on Friday night, so they played actually a day before us over the weekend on Friday night. They were 2-1 down early on against Monaco, but they went on to win 5-2. So so they've, we've both had comfortable wins over the weekend. Um, PSG beating Monaco 5-2, us beating Chelsea 4-1. But like I say, Chelsea, uh, PSG got to play um, the day before us. But but yeah, so we're both going in on the back of wins. Um, and I guess that PSG will be looking to get a bit of revenge, won't they? Um, after after getting hammered at St. James's Park. But yeah, it's whether they've it's whether they've got them got it the sort of character to do that. I know obviously it's not me disrespecting PSG because they've obviously become regulars in the Champions League. They've got so many world class players. But I think it's fair to say they haven't got the same amount of heart and heart in that team and togetherness that Newcastle have. But it's whether they can show that quality that sometimes stands them apart. Mm, yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's gonna be there is a, I've got a basically a 10% chance that I'm getting a flight over there tomorrow. Oh, but, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, it's only, it's only small. I've, mm. I've sent some... some There's a chance though, wow. That's speculative, a... speculative because uh, <laughs> I can get sometimes tickets through work, you see, so it's just whether, you know, that's why it's 10% chance. But there's a 70 quid flight from Manchester Airport. And I can just oh, get no. Well, that could make for a good uh, post-match uh, podcast if you've been at the game, definitely. It would be. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, fingers crossed. I know. I'm not. I'm not too hopeful, but it would be cool. Um, right. Okay. I mean, this is going to be a short, snappy pod, but it needs to be really because the games are coming thick and fast. But what's your score prediction, Ollie? 
Oh, in fact, have we done predicted X one? I was going to say we're doing that. I don't know if uh, we normally well, do the predicted eleven. Yeah, yeah, we can go for it. I mean, we kind of said we think it's going to be the same, didn't we? Um, well, yeah, that actually is a very good point. <laughs> There's not much to debate <laughs> there. I mean, I guess no. all I would say is. There's a couple of things that came to mind. I mean, one is that Lewis Hall will be will be available again for this. Obviously, he wasn't eligible against Chelsea. He can play uh, this yeah, one. Course, yeah. But the only player in the team who I can think how might... Well, there's a couple, actually. There's Lewis Miley. Can you play a 17-year-old twice? Well, he can play twice in four days, but it's it's a case of does he think Lewis Miley's ready to play pastry away in the Champions League? Does he also think Alexander Isaac? I know Isaac is our only fit striker, but do you know how he's been away from with a mm. groin injury for the last few weeks? And obviously Wilson's now out for probably the next month. So I think how probably has to risk it, given what the stakes are, we, we kind of have to get a result or we're out the Champions League. So I think how has to risk it. But if there's any players in the team who I think might be in danger of, of coming out for one reason or another, it would be whether we protect Isaac a little bit. And I say that because say someone like Lewis Hall could come in at left back. Livermento could play out wide and then Gordon could play as a false nine. But if I'm honest, I I don't think how... I just don't think he'll do that. You can't, you've got to play Isaac. You've just got to. I think you have to, yeah. I, I just thought to mention it because obviously with the yeah. injury, with no other fifth striker, of course, can yeah. we afford to, to go December with, say, potentially no Isaac? But, um, I yeah, think I Isaac, Isaac for 65 minutes, he scores a hat-trick, comes off and Gordon Lovely. will play through the middle. Job done. Yeah, <laughs> job done. And yeah, I guess I guess the big one for me is if Sean Longstaff can pass a late fitness test, I think it probably would be him ahead of Lewis Miley. But at the end of the day, we're not going to be panicking now if, if Longstaff can't play just because of how good Miley was. But maybe in an ideal world, how would like to have Longstaff back and, and probably wouldn't play Miley again. But but I mean, you could also argue, can you drop Miley after how good he was on Saturday? So, mm. so yeah, I think it's probably fair to say it's likely to be the same side. Um but maybe just the likes of Miley, Isaac are ones to watch, and obviously Lewis Hall as well, and Longstaff, if if Longstaff does pass a fitness test. Yeah. Not many options, as we said, but there's a couple of permutations there. I mean, I think you've got to play Isaac. He's got, I know you're yeah. not saying he won't, but he's got Champions League experience. He's he's a you know he's been in these big games before. He used to play for Dortmund. You know, he went to Sociedad yeah. and he and played actually, for Sweden you know internationally. Just before we actually get to the, our final prediction, there's, I meant to mention mm. the PSG injuries because I know we've got a long list of players out, but PSG actually have a Yeah, they've got of... a couple, haven't they? Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, so, so Mark Ineos, who's the captain, obviously Brazilian international centre-back, he's actually out of the game. So he, I think he got a hamstring injury while away on international duty with Brazil. Oh. And it's I think it's minor, but he's he's been ruled out of the game. So that's that's a, a bonus. I, I'm not entirely sure who will fill in because... Uh, Kim Pembe is out injured as well, the French international centre-back. And I think Danilo Pereira, who often, well, he used to be a defensive midfielder, but I think more recently he's filled in at centre-back. There was some, I saw some reports saying he had a knock as well. So either way, though, they're going to be out without their captain. I know another player is, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right, but Zaya Emery, the 17-year-old midfielder. Yeah, he got um, an assist against us in the first game, didn't he? He that was, was already yeah, taking that was, ball over. Yeah, I think he was. It's fair to say he was probably their only, their only sort of good performer at St James's Park that, that night. And obviously, you mentioned they're the really good assist. And I think he's, I think he's actually joined joined top for assists in the Champions League so far this season. He's definitely towards the top. I think he's got three maybe. So, so yeah, he's like their wonder kid. And he, like I say, played well in midfield. So he's out. Marquinhos is out. Um, Kimpembe, who would normally fill in with Marquinhos, out isn't playing either. I think Nuno Mendes, the Portuguese left back, is the long term. We've got a long-term injuries. But anyway, the two players who played in the first leg who are going to be out are Marquinhos and, and Zaya Emery. So at least at least there's a couple of injuries there to b- slightly balance it out a little bit. Yeah, we we just now need Mbappe to sort of fall down the stairs and break his legs. 
Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. Not, don't, 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 don't wish anyone any, any yeah, I'd never wish any could, harm, but I mean... But if he could just miss one game, that would be great. You know, yeah, just, right, I don't yeah. know. You know, I don't know what he'd have to have, you know, a head cold or something. Um, <laughs> right, okay, score predictions. What do you reckon? I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Why not? It's tough. It's tough, this. I mean, I was writing my preview for it earlier, and I was kind of saying my... My head wonders whether we can pull it off. My heart says we've done it before in terms of the the home leg. We've we've come into this on a high. Like you, you, you can never underestimate this Newcastle team. So I'm a little bit split, but I'm gonna say a sort of a heroic. Remember the fire order away game from years back, and mm. um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a heroic game full of goals. I'm gonna say two all draw. Anthony Gordon to score again, and it, I guess it'll give us a fighting chance, wouldn't it? Maybe that's my heart speaking, not my head, but. But why not? They're not they're not that good PSG, are they? Nah, they're rubbish. Uh, Mbappe's Mbappe's overrated. Yeah, um, overrated. Easy yeah. work for trip, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, very good. It's gonna it's what an exciting week. And then we've got, obviously got Man United at the weekend. So we'll be back on uh Wednesday probably or Thursday, probably Thursday, to talk about the PSG game and preview the Man United game. Loads of games coming up. Uh very exciting as a Newcastle fan. What else to say, Ollie? I just I feel like I want to kind of uh, parting parting words to any Newcastle players listening. Just do really well. Try really hard. Kick Mbappe. There we go. That's all we need to know. Thanks I very guess, much, everyone. I guess, no fear, is it? No fear. Beating four, yeah. beating four one on the first leg, and uh, yes, we've got injuries, but Saturday night proved that even with injuries, we're a match for some good teams. So, so yeah, I think yeah. no no fear, and let's just see what we can do. It'd be great to go into that Milan game with at least something to play for still. That's just, that's what I hope more than anything, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, Ollie. Right. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. Podcast Network.